Hey, it's Jason Cunningham and welcome back to Save My Business, the podcast dedicated to helping small and medium-sized business owners navigate through the proverbial shitstorm. I'm pretty pumped about today's guest, someone out of the box, a good friend of mine, a thought leader, a three-time best-selling author, a business owner herself, and somewhat of a rock star, Renee Jerusso. Welcome to Save My Business. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. I am too, Renee, and I, I think it's pertinent for you to come on right at this episode, and particularly with the launch of your new book, and I'm making apology in advance, this is not going to be an advertorial, yep. uh, struggling with a speech early doors. <laughs> but, it, was, yeah. it was a surname. <laughs> no, yeah, I was just very much focused on getting Jerusso correct that I really stuffed up that word advertorial. Anyway, uh, so I want to talk a bit about your book, Gift Mindset, because I think that's perfect for those of us in leadership positions and entrepreneurs and business owners. But we'll come to that a little bit later on. Um, tell me, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm um, lots happening. Lots uh-huh. of exciting. Lo- lots of exciting things. I think after a challenging year, I, I really feel we're going to kick off to a good year this year. You are. Yeah. You are glass half full kind of girl, Renee. Uh, let's rewind twelve months and not spend too much time on it. But uh, what was your 2020 like? And you know, when March mm. came along, tell me how that impacted you and your business. Yeah, big time. So in March, I I really felt like I was on a super highway. We were about to have our biggest year. You yeah. know, we'd done four months of solid BD, and it was almost like the wheels just came off. Within, I think it was about 12 days, we had 90% of our work cancelled or postponed, yeah. which. Then and there, we looked at as you know not going ahead. Mm. We we do a lot of face to face work. It's what we're known for. Mm. It's what we love. It's what we're passionate about. And you know, in a way, it sort of bit, bit us in the butt mm. because people were we'll do some virtual stuff, but we want to wait. So mm. it was a big, big year. Um, shift, shifting my mindset, really looking at knowing what what we had. We knew the world needed, yeah. But how we delivered it had to change. Yeah. So share with us, Renee. For the benefit of our listeners, what your business is. Yeah. I know there's you've got a crew, there's I think there's six of you in total. Yeah. And you do a bit around communication and leadership. But tell me a bit about how that works. Yeah, yeah. So we work with mid-tier organizations and do a lot around, I guess, energizing mindset and accelerating leadership to lift yeah. performance and culture. So we really help leaders go from, I guess, drowning in what we call a management mindset yeah. to leading and being more clear creating future leaders, which mm. is really their job, and a lot around um, motivational intelligence. So I, I reckon too many people do what they're good at yep. but not what they're good at that they enjoy. Yeah, right. Big, big difference. So, um, yeah, we do a lot of transformational programs. What do you coaching. mean? Hang on. What do you mean by too many people do what they're good at but not enough of what they're good at but they enjoy? Yeah, Explain that to me. yeah, yeah. So if you think about there's there's so many people we come across that will say, I'm great at my job, but they're just not happy. And yeah. I'll say, so do you love your job? And they'll go, Renee, I'm really good at it. I've been here 15 years, blah, blah, blah. I earn this amount. And I'll say, but do you love it? And a lot of the time they go, not really. Mm. So they get pushed into this lane where they're, they're really working their way based through, you know, their capability but not really what lights them up. So I always say to people, think about what lights you up and what you're good at, merge that list, Mm. and you'll have a pep in your step. See, one of the challenges, see, uh, we've just had our twin boys finish year 12. Mm. 
and we're going through the process of selecting uh, a degree that both boys want to go and uh, get tertiary qualified and selecting a degree, selecting a university. And, you know, our boys were 18 uh, at the time. And one of the biggest challenges is how the hell do you pick a career? Yeah. At the age of 18, I was 17. How the hell do you pick a career when you've got no idea what the career looks like? And then sometimes what happens is people pick a career in year 12, yeah. get the right score, end up going to a course, becoming an accountant, architect, podiatrist, whatever it is, and that are stuck in it. Spot on. I mean, how were they to know as a kid yeah. when you all you've done, you've worked at Coles Supermarket, McDonald's, KFC, yeah. whatever. Oh, that's the, or you're pressured yeah. to go into something. I always encourage a gap year. I did mm. mine in the US and mm. amazing, absolutely amazing time. And yeah. I studied marketing. Am I doing marketing now? I bring it into my business mm. and I did it in my past corporate life, but I think we're continually becoming the person that we are. You know, yeah. someone asked me the other day, how have you become you? And I, say, I said, well, obviously experience, values, whatever, but I'm still becoming me. Yeah. I think it's a lot of pressure. 18 is so, as you get older, you look back and go, wow, yeah. baby. I know. I remember when I turned 18, I thought I was a big, big time adult. And I think, you know, <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm just about to turn 48 and I'm still sort of maturing, uh, which is interesting. Uh, <laughs> me too. Same age. <laughs> so let me ask you another stupid, maybe uh, ignorant question. If you say too many people do things that they uh, are good at, but not enough people do things that they love, well, what percentage of the population are doing something that they love? Yeah, from what I see, I reckon it's about 50-50. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I think, to be honest, I think through COVID, COVID in itself has been a gift. I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of crap that's happened with it. Mm. But I think it's made people realise, you know, if they're not happy in something, it's been amplified working from home alone. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are stepping up you know, and, you know, you can see it even where people are living, hey, tree change, sea change. Um, they say it's around 65% of your success in a job comes down to doing what motivates you. That's a real statistic. Yeah, right. Because um, I love statistics. Even if you make them up, they sound real. But that's a, I'm that's only a real teasing, one you know. and that's the only one you're getting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hey, so, <laughs> no, I know that's a fair income stat. Um, Renee, I'm interested, I love the language that you use around gifts and it reminds me of a book I've recently read by Matthew McConaughey called oh. Green Lights, which is a pretty cool book. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. I just want to talk through your experience and what went through your mindset as, as someone who's, a one would argue, a mindset coach and a leadership coach and someone that helps people you know, get some clarity upstairs so that they can make a, a better decision. What happened to you? You got six employees, and you, in a week or two, you find out that ninety percent of your income is either gone or postponed. Mm. What happened in your headspace? <laughs> I think I had about half a day where I was, oh shit, yeah. what am I going to do? And and that same week, I had about four phone calls for head L and D roles in companies I do work in, and yeah. and it was the first time in fourteen years. I remember I actually sat in the bath and I was like, shit, this might be easier. Yeah, right. And then I thought, you know what, I've worked so, and you being a business owner would know and those listening, I've worked so hard 24-7 to do what I'm doing and do what I love that I knew it would be an obtainable thing to do but yeah. it wouldn't be sustainable. But you um, definitely thought about throwing the business in and taking for one For about of these- three hours yeah. I was like, oh, shit, what, yeah. what, what am I going to do? 
Um, and what got me through that was, I, like I said before, I just thought I just have to change how we do things. Yeah. You know, um, not not. Not, not everybody in my team is an employee. They're contractors. So yeah. we didn't even get that funding for yeah. them. I've managed to keep all my staff on. Wow. Um, create an online program, write a book on the weekends, and obviously there's costs of time and money there. Yeah. But it's it's been, you know, a really, really tough year. But for me it was really around change. Look at what's not changing. And we all felt it in COVID. Everything mm. was changing. Yeah. So I still did a 6 a.m. walk. I yeah. built some really, really cool, I call them bookend, bookend remote working habits. Yeah. So one of, one of the things that helped me was I'd go out in the morning for a walk. Dress, I was always dressed for work every single day. What, on the morning walk? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But runners on. Yeah. Well, my converse, they're not real runners. <laughs> I don't do real runners. So, yeah, so I'd go for a walk around the block and then I would come in through the front door, grab a coffee and then go to one of my workstations in the house. And I did the same at the end of the day and then I would close that door off from the office. So it really helped me have a bit of a circuit breaker. I I don't have children, not by choice. It just unfortunately didn't happen. Yeah. Um, and I had to have something. My, hus- my husband's got his own business, so where does it end, yeah. you know? Yeah. So you're telling me that one of the ways that you dealt with it, um, obviously contemplating throwing the business in and getting a job, but once you got past that mind space, one of the ways you dealt with it was to create ha- a series of habits and have some structure. Time. yeah. Have some structure in life and sort of pretend, if you like, without being uh, naive in, in the way I'm communicating, but... Pretend like you're going to the office grabbing a coffee. Yeah, right. I even have four workplaces around the house. I'm quite an alternative big picture ideas person. So I have a studio in the lounge Uh where we run all our workshops, green screen, full setup. Yep. My office where I did webinars and coaching. Beautiful big kitchen, raw edge table where I did all my writing on the weekends. And then a desk upstairs with a view where I did any of my sales or client calls. Yeah, right. And I I really found like just separating those. (laughs) It's like I'm going into meeting room one, now I'm going to go to the boardroom. (laughs) Nutty, nutty, nutty professor. The the cat was confused. That's another story. We we took in a stray cat during COVID and found out it was a tenant's. Anyway, they don't want it, so we still have him. But um, I think that's called theft. But yeah, yeah anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it is kidnapping. Kidnapping. <laughs> or kidnapping. Cat- oh, so that's really bad. <laughs> no. We're going to edit that out. That's rubbish from me. Hey, so uh, so so RG Dynamics is your business, right? You got uh, five or six team members that work with you, some employees, some contractors. You, you said something interesting to me. We didn't change what we did; we changed how we delivered it. Yeah. And yeah. Like most of us, we you obviously jumped on Zoom and Teams. Tell me how that went and was your pricing structure, did that have to change, all that sort of stuff? Talk me yeah, through that. That's a great question. I think at the start I thought, oh, if I'm doing it and I'm not leaving the house, should we be charging a different cost? Yeah. As you know, time is time. Yeah. Content is content and expertise and the experience we deliver. So as I built more conviction, we, we kept our pricing the same as face-to-face. Um, yeah, it, was, it wasn't It was a matter of just going, we've got this workshop, now I'm going to stand in front of a camera and present it. We had to rewrite it. So I rewrote about 70 programs. Oh, my God. So the activities in them, the workbooks, we write all our own IP. So it was full on. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like you did a whole heap of work for no revenue to sort of restart or relaunch totally. your business. 
Totally. And a big thing, a big value I have is being in service to others. And we gave a lot of support to a lot of companies. Yeah. You know, we did a few free coaching days for yeah. anyone that needed to download and reach out. And yeah, really interesting too. And I, you probably resonate with this. And I think it's a topic not no one's really talking about is how, how relationships change during COVID. Yeah. So people that I, certain people I thought I'd be closer to, I wasn't. And the, and a few people that were more acquaintances, I was. Yeah, right. And I think it's... it's what do you put that down to? I think it's just what you're working on, you know, yeah. like if, if, you're, if you're a stay-at-home mum homeschooling versus someone trying to save a business, you're mm. going to be looking at different things and looking at each other differently. Yeah, yeah. It, was a really interesting dynamic and yeah. obviously a lot of I've got a lot of thought leader friends who g really got what was going on last year yeah yeah what what I'm intrigued about and one of the main reasons I've asked you to join our podcast is some of the and I'm going to play on words some of the gifts that you can give uh, some of our audience and yeah. and, and the audience uh, uh, you know are mostly business owners entrepreneurs or leaders in, yep. in in business and some of my family and friends who just listen to just get me a few ranks up Google. <laughs> uh, <laughs> gotta but, love this. Yeah, well, you do. Um, I wish my mum was still around. She'd download Aww. it 100 times a day. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> you, you keep talking about your latest book, The Gift Mindset, uh, gives people the opportunity to see the gift in everything, the good and the bad. Can you tell me, can you give me some examples on, on how that might work and how we can put that into practice? Because, you know, I'm talking to people where you know, we, we're coming to the, at the time of recording, we're in the middle of February and by yeah. the time this gets released, we, we'd be in March or something like that. And uh, a lot of people I'm speaking to are saying, Jace, I'm two months into the year and I'm exhausted. Yeah. yeah. Right? A lot of us haven't had a holiday as such or we've had time off and we've, you know, taken a leaf out of your book and gone to a resort, which is our backyard, uh, or, you know, or may have ventured down to the park. But, you know, people haven't had you know, a significant time off, nor have they had tools down, and particularly the business owners that are peddling and peddling oh. and peddling just to make a buck. Can you share with us some of the gifts to help people yep. get into a better place into their headspace? Yeah, definitely. And I just want to say I agree. We're, we're working longer hours at a more intense rate. Yeah. You know, even right now, people are still working from home. Mm. So there's, there's no circuit breaker. There's no weekends. It never ends. So the gift mindset, as you mentioned, is all about really embracing the lessons from both positive and challenging experiences. Uh -huh. And I, I really want to reinforce challenging and positive. Mm. So, you know, sometimes we can have a success and we just keep going. You know, yeah. we don't stop. But I'm one of those people. And you've got to stop and share that because I think that could be a survival guide for someone else that wants to do what you do. Yeah. On the challenging side, sometimes we don't, you know, we, especially in the workplace, we keep going. There's no, you know, we, we fear judgment from others. Yeah. I stuffed up. I don't want to share that with everybody. Yeah. There's ego. There's all these different things. So the key is really taking a step back, looking at was that, was that, um, was that lesson from people or a situation? Mm. I always say pass the parcel. Yeah. You know that British game? Yeah. So multi-layered rapping going around, the music stops, you get a gift. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. And I reckon life's like that. So what's your past the parcel gift that maybe you've left tightly wrapped? So, you know, there's many gifts. The gift of optimism is a big one mm -hmm. and it's really, you won't go past anything in the media at the moment with the word optimism not in it. Yeah. 
So I think optimism is a big one and there's a great question going around just asking people what makes you optimistic. Yeah. It actually changes, yeah. changes the room and gets you to focus on what you can control, not what you can't. Yeah. Um, so, so give me an example, a practical example, Renee, of to how, you know, how a, the gift of optimism might appear and how you yeah. would see that as a gift of optimism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess that comes into gratitude. So, it, well, if I asked you this, if I flip this around <laughs> and ask, ask you this, when was a time that optimism got you through a hard time and what did you do? Yeah, from my whole life on optimism, to be honest with you. I'm uh, with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess, um, look, this. I, I guess it'd be a, a heap of times. I mean... If I think back, a big personal impact on my life was uh, uh, when my wife was pregnant with our twins, yep. um, which was a long time ago. And and I guess early doors, we, we got so excited. Well, okay, let me rephrase it. We were excited that we were pregnant. Um, yeah. And don't you love it when a bloke says we were pregnant? We, yeah, 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 yeah. Angela was You're pregnant. There. Yeah, I, well, I was. <laughs> you helped. Well, I hope so, right? I was party to it, right? Uh, anyway, and so away we went and we, you know, let the cat out of the bag a little bit. We were having a baby and we went to see um, the obstetrician and we found, that's when we found out we had twins, yeah. which was like, oh my God, we're having twins. And that was, yeah, I was it's a bit a different. A different <laughs> sort of holy fire truck, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And then, uh, I guess then we went to the sonographer at 12 weeks gestation to get the scan and the, uh, and the sonographer, her first words to us were, oh, dear. Oh. I'm like, what? Mm. And I, I'll tell you this, my experience tells me that the first two words you don't want to hear from a sonographer are, oh, dear. Yeah. I said, what do you mean, oh, dear? She said, your twins are identical twins and they have what's called twin-to-twin -twin transfusion syndrome. And what happens with twin-to-twin -twin transfusion syndrome is typically the blood supply is uneven between yeah. the two uh, amniotic sacs, uh, right? Okay. Yeah. And so what happens is one placenta and the umbilical cord's going to one placenta and the blood supply is uneven and that little one on the left is going to demise. So we've gone from being on top of the mountain yeah. to just devastated yeah. and had to go back and share with, you know, mum and dad and Angie's family and, and friends and family. And deal with it yourself. And deal with it ourselves. And then... We went back. To, she said, you're going to have to come back two weeks later and we're going to have to deal with this. Yeah. And I was like, far out, you know. She said, what you need to do is change obstetricians, go and see this guy, Dr. Mark Umstad, who's also known as uh, Million Dollar Mark, and he's very good at, like, you know, he's really good at setting a fee, you know what I mean? Seven and a half grand before you fucking walk in the door, big fella, you know what I mean? Just tap and go sort of behaviour. <laughs> and I, I respect him for that. And then I checked out his cufflinks and the tie and the Porsche rolled out yeah. on And I go, yeah, no worries, pal. Yeah. Uh, but good man, great man. Yeah. And, and I guess the way he communicated to us. So, so we went through, and let's, let's be real clear on this, Angela went through much more of a challenge than I did because she could never forget it because you've got oh, your babies in your, inside your body. It's yeah, yeah. I'd race off to work and bury my head in the sand, which is yeah. a lesson that my mum taught me on how to deal with challenges. <laughs> Doesn't always work. Probably I, do, never. I do it most of the time too yeah. and it does work most. most. But we, that, that, that period of optimism and, and having conversations with a, with a gifted individual mm. who communicated with conviction and surety, yeah. you know, and, you know, every, everyone wants their babies to, the gestation period to go for 40 weeks. We went for 29 weeks and one day. And, and we, you know, we started setting targets. What about 36 weeks, yeah. Doc? You said, mate, you're kidding yourself. Yeah. You know, what about 32 weeks? 32 on 40 is 80%. I'll yeah. take that. Then yeah. we aim for 30 and we just missed it. So if you ask me, you know, that's probably the time that I drew on optimism yeah. the most because, you know, a, a, an impending parent's biggest fear. Yeah. 
is, is, oh, is, is that. And not only were we going to lose the little one on the left, but the one on the right could have died and we had to make some decisions and all this sort of crap that today's podcast yeah. is not about. But, um, yeah, th- there's an example right there. Yeah, I, that's an amazing story and, and, and it really it, it reinforces positivity is about being positive in the mm. here and now. Optimism is about hope for the future and yeah. knowing it will work out in the mm. end. And I think that's a key trait and a key gift we all need to unwrap. Mm. And, and some people, you know, I'm, I'm very optimistic. Mm. With people that are pessimistic, they can see me as a bit, whoa, yeah. unrealistic. Yeah. I see them as negative. So I think it's not changing who you are, but around people that are, you know, quite problem solving, quite mm. glass half empty, I do dull my optimism down a little bit, mm. but I make sure and a big tip to everyone is to reduce your exposure to pessimists. Yeah. Because you can and and really be around people with that optimistic mindset. Renee, tell me this. Typically in my experience, typically we are uh, we evolve mainly as a result of our family of origin, okay, yep. so our upbringing and stuff like that. Yep. Can you tell me about your upbringing and, and, and did that have an influence as to why you do what it is that you do? Ah, it's a good question. Yeah, so I was brought up, my, my mum's Australian, um, yeah. European background, dad um, Italian. Yeah. Mum and dad divorced when I was eight. All right, wow. And my brother, Dean, went to live with my dad which now I realise must have been so hard for my mum and my sister and I and my mum, we were like the, the, the three musketeers. And I really believe I, the gift of growth and the gift of independence came into my life at a very young age. Yeah. I went to quite a few different schools. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I definitely think that's part of it. The Italian side, I, I think, you know, I've always been attracted to people from other cultures. Mm. If you're in a room with my friends... You, you, you get nearly every country in there, right? Yeah. I'm attracted to people from other cultures and Italians have this, you know, a, a normal family lunch is a table three times as big as this. Yeah. It's normal. When I hear friends say to me, I haven't seen my mum for four weeks, I'm like, what? Yeah. You know, close. So I lost my dad when I was 22. Yeah, wow. And um, and I do, do share a little bit about it in my book and I, I don't share the story very often. He died suddenly and I hadn't seen him for two weeks, which was rare. And the reason was, he said, go and get that job at Mars. It was my first real job. I'd had four months of gruelling interviews. And I said, I'm not going to ring you till I get that job. And he oh. passed away on the Monday night. And I had my final assessment on the Tuesday morning. Oh. And, you know, some people might call me ruthless. It's a blur, but I went. My yeah. friend drove me into the city. I had four hours presenting on some made-up chocolate bar that I'd come up with yeah. on the old overheads. Yeah. Do you remember those <laughs> with the light? Yeah. Oh, showing my age. Yeah. That'd be worth a bit now. Yeah. And um, I ended up getting the role. I did not tell any of the nine people on the panel about it, yeah. but at the end I collapsed. Yeah. So then they went, you're not well, now you have to go to have a medical. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, bloody hell, I'll go to Ballarat straight to head office and have a medical. And I ended up getting that job and I was there 12 years and I really feel that a flick switched on with in me around that time to live the life my dad didn't get to. He was 51, so he's only three years older than I am now and he mm. was an avid entrepreneur, rag trade advertising in the mm. 70s and 80s. And he's a big reason and I think, I think your background 
doesn't determine everything about you, but I definitely think there's some beliefs and values that you, you sort of hold on to and then create your own and mesh them together to become you. Can I ask a question without crossing the line? Is there a hole that exists that you didn't get the opportunity to tell your dad you got the job? Yeah, there is. Yeah, mm. there is. I I still to this day, I'm a bit spiritual, not, not in a godly sense, but mm. quite I feel my dad around. Yeah. And even when I wrote the story about him in the book on, on my first gift, the chapter's called, it just came out. And it's, it's yeah. yeah, I I feel the, the funny thing was, I don't know if you believe in coincidences, but my first job as a grad with Mars that I started two weeks after he passed away, I had a choice to be in Melbourne as an area manager or Warnable. Yeah. Never heard of it, right? Yeah. So, I, yeah, Warnable, I'll go there. So I moved down there with my husband who I just met. I'm like, come along. If it works out, it works out. Yeah. <laughs> moved down to Warnable and... Two months later, found out that my dad's ashes had been scattered by my stepmom down at Apollo Bay. And wow. the day that I was down there for work. So I felt a connection. Yeah. There was definitely a connection there. Renee, yeah. I'm going a bit off topic. Can, can you tell me what it was like when your mum and dad divorced and your brother went with your dad and you two girls stayed with your mum? Can you talk me through that? and? Has that impacted you and what's your relationship like with your brother now? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. It was hard as a kid. I think I was, yeah, I was around eight. I I didn't realise until now how big that was, but mum and dad stayed amicable. So that was amazing. You don't, you don't hear that a lot. Um, And yeah, I didn't get to spend a lot of time with my brother, but years later and to this day, he's like always been a bit of a father figure, always checked out the boyfriend's. Yeah. It's quite funny. I married one of his best friends. Oh, well, there you go. The ultimate payback. <laughs> <laughs> but he, um, we're really close now. But it was tough. We had a few years just just mum and my mum had some pretty big corporate jobs. Yeah. Um, she was actually an assistant to Bob Hawke at one stage. Oh wow. And so she, I, that's definitely built a resilience in me yeah. to have you know two, three kids and this full time job. Mm. My mum met my stepdad about 18 months later, who's, uh, they're still together now, and yeah. he's, he's amazing. He's, yeah, cool. He's been a father figure to us. But, yeah, it definitely does shape the way you see the world. Mm. And if there's one word that it taught me, it's independence. Yeah, right. I don't rely on anyone or anything for my happiness. Yeah. I think it's, it's in you. So I assume independence is one of your 12 gifts in your book? It's into the resilience one. Yeah. I had... So I have to tell you this, Jason, we had about 30 gifts and we had to get them down. I have a thing about 12s, I always have. Yeah. So probably the gift of growth. Yeah, right. Be. So, so going through the last 12 months um, and there's business owners, I was talking to a, a great client of ours who, uh, who has a coffee business in the city in Melbourne and I went and saw him last Monday and he shared with me that typically – their revenues. Uh, he's got a little little shop front. He had a couple of them, sold a few off, and he's got a he's got a great little business. And uh, he also wholesales coffee. And he's a he's a good man, salt of the earth man. Yeah. And, uh, he's a friend of mine, and uh, and he's been a, a great client for a long time. And, and I went and saw him, and I said, "Oh, how's things going?" He goes, "Mate, um, he goes, I'm a broken man." I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Well, last twelve months has killed me." He said, "Pre-COVID, we were doing revenue of three and a half grand a day." Oh yeah. Right. Uh, and he said, today's been my best day in nine months. And I said, oh, yeah, how'd you go? And he goes, we turned over 600 bucks. He goes, Jay, 600 bucks. Mm. 
I've stood here all day. And he goes, it's broken me. So I'm going to put you on the spot and challenge it. Where's the gift in that for him? The gift in that for him is he obviously does have some regular clients. Yeah. And is he in the CBD? Yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah. I think the gift in him is it's going to come back. People yeah. want to go back. They're yeah. saying about 70% of most workforces actually want to come back. Yeah. So I think it will pick back up again. Yeah. And I think it will, if anything, really solidify the loyalty that mm. he, in, in hospitality, that's what I'm seeing too. Yeah. I've got a few clients in hospitality as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and I guess what he's learned through that, what's got him through that, anything we've done, we can do again. Yeah. And that's something that just even saying it, I just almost get goosebumps. I yeah. just feel not that we want to go through COVID again. No. But, you know, anything we've done only builds, it, it, it layers. And I just think you bolster onto that every time and mm. your resilience just builds. You know, talking about resilience, you know, I've heard, I've, I've recently uh, undertaken a mindfulness Oh. Uh, course and uh, and learnt the art of meditation. And my meditation teacher is a brilliant man. His name is Steve Griffith. A brilliant man, very calming influence and just an amazing, an abundance of energy. You can almost see the energy mm. blowing off this bloke, right? And one of the things that he shared with me, he said, Jason, this is going to sound a bit like a dichotomy, but if there's one thing that's constant, it's change. Yeah, <laughs> right? totally. Uh, and he said, in actual fact, you can throw change together with adversity. Oh, yeah. And, and he said, it, once you understand that change and adversity in your life is constant, then you are better equipped to deal with it. Yeah. So let's push that to the side. And often when I'm talking to business owners or employees or p- team members that I work with and people in general, they find adapting to change really hard. Oh, totally. Yeah. But, you know, you just told a story about your first presentation or the presentation <laughs> you did at Mars on that overhead projector where you put the <laughs> transparent thing on and you dish, write stuff on there. I mean, our presentations have obviously evolved yeah. since then. How do, how do we get our mindset around, and it sounds to me that you've done that, well, I, uh, considering where your accountants, we know the answer, but you've been quite successful yeah. at um, adapting to change as a result of lockdown yeah. and not being able to be in present, uh, physically present with your audience. Yeah. How have you got your head around that and found the gifts in that? In change, yeah. And you're right, change is the only constant in life. Yeah. I think we have forced change, change, and we have chosen change. Yeah. So for me, a big thing for me was chosen change was leaving the corporate world, going out on my own. Uh-huh. I just knew I wanted to do it. Forced change was, hey, you've lost 90% of your business what do you need to do to keep going? The first thing that helped me, uh, I think, was focusing on what wasn't changing, building some routines in. That's mm. that You have to do that. The second thing was, I guess, knowing what lights me up. Mm. I'm a connector. I love people. And I can honestly say last year I felt overconnected. I'm yeah. sure you did too. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, six to seven sessions a day. Yeah. Um, but I knew I needed that to fill my cup. Um, I think with... With change, the big thing around change is to make sure you don't get what I call change fatigue. Right. Too many changes at once. Yeah. Uh, a bit like decision fatigue. Um, and I think that's what happened to a lot of people that I know have shut shop last year. Yeah. It was too much. It was homeschooling. You know, a lot, I can name a lot of relationships that broke up, people yeah. I know last year. I think if you're going to be tested, yeah. last year was the time. Yeah. 
Um, but I think the key is focus on what's not changing. Do what lights you up. Know what gives you that pep in your step. I always say Sunday night dreads. I hated school. Yeah. You know that feeling? I used to hear Disneyland and yeah. I knew that was bedtime. Even oh. now even now when I hear it and I see Tinkerbell with my nieces, it's, it's anchored. One of my boys, one of my sons, oh. sorry, Jack, one of the twins, he works at a pizza shop, arguably the, arguably the best restaurant in Australia, if you ask me. Uh, anyway, Goofy's Pizza. And Jack, when he's working, when he's working, um, you know, he does the Thursday, Friday and Saturday night shift. Yeah. He's a bit like you. He... he it, it disturbs him all day. Oh. Okay, Jack, it's 11 o'clock in the morning. You're not working at 5.30, mate. There's yeah. six and a half hours, pal. There's yeah. some stuff to do. And he, he, just, he just can't deal with it. So I was like that at school. Now I'm actually excited to go to work because yeah. I make sure, and this is a big thing to dealing with change, make sure you do your favourite thing on a Monday morning. Yeah, right. So I, was, I do a lot of work with building construction and engineers and I uh-huh. had a, a manager, oh, it was late last year, and she did, was just off. And yeah. I said, what's going on? And she goes, everything's all right, but I just feel, you know, when you just feel out of touch. Yeah. yeah. And I call end- that, I refer to that as a hangover. Yeah, no. hangover. <laughs> yeah, 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 the hangover. Yeah. So um, I said, what's going on? And she said, oh, I'm just really missing my team. And I said, when do you catch up with them? Friday Arvos, it used to be Monday morning. I'm like, you know, Monday sets a tone for the yeah. week. Why don't you flip that back to a Monday morning? And something as simple as that. So it's really being aware, self-awareness is key, mm-hmm. accepting what you need to do so it helps you, not hinders you, mm. and then actioning it, not yeah, right. talking about it. I'm intrigued about this Monday morning. I know that um, with the uh, exercise piece, they say the best day, well, don't miss a workout on a Monday. You know, if you have a workout on a Monday, if you're a person that exercises, yep. and I think everybody should exercise, and I'm not here to dictate or tell anyone what to do, but this... I know for me, you yep. spoke about what lights you up, yeah. what gives you energy. I know if I'm not in the gym or if I'm not exercising, yep. I'm in the shits. Yeah. And so, and I also know that get a workout in on Monday, you're set up for the oh, week. You changes know. your whole, what's your vibrational energy. It could be meditation, as you mentioned. Mm. It could be cooking's my thing. When yeah. I'm cooking, I'm just alive. And when I'm facilitating and delivering. So every Monday without fail, I'm delivering. Yeah, right. A lot of facilitators and that sort of go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Mm. I I will always do Monday because it just gives me energy for the week. Okay, so this is really valuable for not only myself but for the thousands of people that are listening. So the tips are first, um, create the habit. Yep. Secondly, do what lights you up. Yep. What else have you got for me, Renee? Do what lights you up. With create the habit, also break the habits that aren't working for you. Oh, yeah. That's a that's a really, really key one. Um, I think reframes are big. We all do this inner dialogue. Right. Yeah? Talk to me about reframing. So everyone's doing it right now as I'm saying that. So reframing is just changing the way you word things. So when COVID hit, and I'm just using that as an example, I actually went, oh, shit, what am I going to do with my business? And then I went, I'm going to change the word pain to purpose. How can I be in service and help others? And as soon as you do that, it opens things up. Mm. So reframe your statements to questions. So an example is, well, they're successful. that, That team's really successful. That does nothing. Why is that team successful? Mm. You will sort and perceive the world to find that out. Mm. So reframes, you know, even from a lot of people working remotely, I say go from, you know, saying that, you, you you know, you're down and you're out till you're excited. Like just little reframes mm. change your energy. It is amazing the language oh. that we use, how powerful that is, mm. not only when we are communicating to others 
but also the story we tell ourselves inside our head, that narrative that we've got going on. And, and I've believed for a long time that we can talk ourselves into and out of anything. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's, a, that's a good little tip there, reframing. Negative Nancy, I call it. Oh, so, so with my clients, I always say, imagine me sitting on your shoulder with a little Stanley knife. Yeah. <laughs> they, they always go, oh, God, I could see you when I thought that. Yeah. So it comes back, though, to awareness. Uh-huh. If you don't tap in and create a habit around the way you think, yeah. you'll keep thinking that same so way. So when you say awareness, you're talking about self-awareness. Yeah, 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 yeah right. totally. And you can't be aware of others unless you're aware of yourself yeah. first. It's, you know, it's interesting. Mm. Uh, so the things that you've told me there around uh, the habitual sort of stuff, uh, doing what lights me up and then reframe, reframing statements into questions, mm. I can conceivably see in my mind's eye how that would work. My next question, again, is somewhat ignorant. How does one get the motivation to do that? Yeah, you've got to have a compelling reason why and it yeah. has to be for you. Yeah. So don't, you know, it's like people breaking a bad habit. Mm. If you do it for someone else, you'll do it, but it won't be sustainable. Yeah. So I think it's about, you know, what do you want your future to look like? I always say to people, when were you the happiest and most energised? Because if you don't know when that was, how do you know when you're depleted? Yeah, right. So I think it's just saying, when was that? If yeah. it's not today, what's changed? What do you need to dial up? Could be a person. I always say be around people that, you know, make you sparkle. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just you've got me here on this compelling reason why to change is linking back to something you said a bit earlier. You spoke about forced change versus chosen change. And I'm intrigued in that space because my argument is typically mankind or it's human nature that typically we won't make a change unless it's forced upon us. Many, okay? Yeah. Right. And so, and so then when things are forced upon us, then that subsequently leads into this compelling reason to change. Yeah. And, and I, I often link, you know, in our business at The Practice, we talk a little bit, a lot about uh, people's financial circumstances. We, mm. we help business owners uh, grow and develop their business and build a business ready for sale. We help uh, families and individuals and couples uh, nurture and grow their wealth and protect their wealth. So we're having a lot of conversations around business and money and all that sort of stuff. And, and I... In my 23 years in this business, I've, I've, there's a few things that are consistent amongst the vast majority of the clients that we've spoken to. And the first is that typically for most of us, the more money we earn, the more we spend. Yeah. And then what happens is we get used to this spending habit because we have this uncanny, uncanny knack as Australians of matching our expenditure with the <laughs> income that we earn, right? Now, I often liken... Um, the ability to save and create a nest egg and build wealth, I, I think that's akin to getting in shape and, or losing weight. And there's a general pattern that people put on a kilo a year and, oh, I'm a little bit heavier, a little bit heavier, a little bit heavier. Oh, well. And it doesn't get to the point until you're like 20 kilos over and you see yourself in the mirror and you go, shit, I better do something, you know? Mm. Uh, and people don't really change. Or you get sick. Or you get sick. So people smoke cigarettes. No, no, no. Smoke, smoke, smoke. All of a sudden get sick or get the C word or whatever. And that's when they stop. Now, unfortunately, when we're forced to change due to a circumstance like those two that I mentioned, often it's too late. Yeah. So Renee Jerusso, how do we light that fire to make a change and make a change before it's too late? Right. My, my little saying around that is your why to change must exceed your why to stay the same. 
Yeah, right. Wow. So your why to do something different and change has to exceed mm. the why to change the same. As human beings, we only change if there's something in it for us. So yeah. you're right. If you put a kilo on and you still look all right, then mm. you're like, okay. Mm. So it comes back again. It is the self-awareness and being brave to unknown change. Human beings don't like change. It's, yeah. it's, it's a known fact. So I say get comfortable getting uncomfortable. Yeah. So go from what I call your safe zone mm. to your stretch zone. And you know it. Those yeah. people that walk into an office and go, I could do this job with my eyes shut. Yeah. They're in a comfort zone. There's yeah. no growth there. So a little bit of stress is good. Yeah. You know, my mum always has said to me, if there's something you haven't learnt for the day, that's not good. What have you learnt? Even if it's a different way of doing something or thinking about something, mm. not the same way of doing something different. Yeah. So I think that's that's really important. Um, and you've got to have purpose. Purpose drives change. Yeah. If you don't have intention, um, it's not going to happen. I, I'm intrigued about being brave. Mm. Right? I, I have this belief that, uh, you know, both of us are at the same age, you know, but I'm still a deep, yeah. yes, 13-year-old kid inside, right? Uh, and I think bravery is a really interesting area. Mm. And I think that, uh, you know, as a, as a boy, as a man, yeah. uh, you know, men typically have uh, larger egos uh, than, than women, typically. Uh, and so, you know, we're, there's a bit of bravado and he doesn't scare me and I played football and I'm strong and I can lift weights and all that crap. But there's, there's different types of bravery. Yeah, right? that's right. And, and not so much by being physically hurt, but there's, there's, there's the fear of failure. Mm, that's right. There's also the fear of success and what that brings, mm. you know. And, you know, because we've got that tall poppy syndrome in Australia and we can't we be have, too successful yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So I'm intrigued to say that someone's listening to this podcast and this sort of resonates with them and they go, yeah, I can understand. I need to be braver. Yeah. I mean, respectfully, there's one thing to say, Jason, be brave. That's yeah. cool. How do I do it? I would say what's it going to cost you not to? Yeah, right. Not to be brave. What will it cost you? And write down, write it down. Yeah. Articulate it. And usually that will create a pain point. Mm -hmm. Not always, but, yeah. but it can. I Look, I the, the future belongs to the brave. You yeah. Know? And it's good to remember something you just said, like courage and bravery isn't always a rule, right? Yeah. So you could be doing or know someone that's done something that's so brave that you're not even aware of. Mm. Not everyone says, I did this and I was scared of doing this. But I think if you're listening out there and you've done something and you've taken a big leap, share it with others. Share what, this is what the gift mindset's about. Share how you did that. That could be a survival guide for someone else yeah, in and out of work. One of the things, I thank you for that. One of the things I've learned, Renee, in life is the more you give, the more oh, you get. Totally. And, uh, you know, we in our business, we built our business around the premise or the foundation of our organisation is our purpose yeah. or our mission statement. Yeah. And we know that when we adhere to our mission statement, which is to help our clients achieve their business and personal goals through proactive service and ongoing advice, when we deliver on that, we know that we're adding value to our customer and eventually we're liberating their lifestyle. Yeah. We know that whatever we want will come to us. Yeah. However, when we make a decision that's in our best interest or we make a decision purely based on the financial impact of our organisation, we get it wrong. Yep. And it's just one of those universal principles that exists in life. The more you give, the more you get. And it's just, it's amazing how that 
the universe, and I was brought up a good Catholic boy, and I'm not saying anything against religion or anything like that, but I, I, the older and uglier and longer in the tooth that I get, <laughs> the, the more I believe in the universe. Yeah, and I believe she I is a powerful woman, the universe. Yeah. And, and you've just got to listen to the message that she sends to you. And I, and I believe in this, this karma, this energy that what you put out comes back to you. And if you're putting out negative energy, negative yeah. comes back to you. I, t- I totally agree with that. And I think people are getting more on board with that. Yeah. And I think too, it comes down, anything you do, don't just do it. They, they, you know, they say, I don't know if you've done, I've done a lot on embraining, multiple braining. So mm. we have our head brain, our logic, we yeah. have our heart, compassion and our gut, our intuition. Yeah. And I always say to people, if they come to me and clients do and they go, now I've got this massive decision to make on strategy or bringing in John or whatever, I'll say, what's your head telling you? What's your gut telling you? What's your heart telling you? If they're a head leader, we know them, yeah. quite logical, they'll answer that. And then they'll go, what do you mean? What's my gut telling me? Yeah. If they're, I'm a high intuitive, I go straight to the gut. Yeah. And when I haven't, it's failed me. Yeah, right. right. So bring in, bring in those three things into your decision making um, and I really believe you'll make better choices and choices that, you know, it's one of my values, be in service to others. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I like that. So it's my head brain, my heart brain. And, and my your gut, gut brain. And my gut brain. Yep. But what I enjoyed most about that is the Aussie vernacular that you jumped on. You know, it's very hard to shorten the word Renee, but we're, I'm now talking to Nay. Oh, <laughs> did I Did I do that? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. We have, yeah, Aussies have this gift of shortening or lengthening people's names, which is outstanding. And um, I yeah. get asked sometimes. Yeah. Nay, nay. There was a song. Anyway, let's uh, forget about that. Hey, we haven't got much time left, Nay, uh, Renee. Um, it's all right, it, Jace. Yeah. <laughs> I get Jace all the time. Yeah, I know. Uh, what, what do you do outside of work that uh, lights you up? I know cooking is uh, cooking's a big thing, but cooking's what else? Cooking is a big one. Writing, but not as much now because I'm writing more for work. So yeah. it's still a passion. Travel. I love. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> so watching travel shows. I love a good movie. Favourite yeah. movie to this day is still The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Like, I just love the whole message in that movie. Yeah. Um, yoga. I do yoga. I yeah. love yoga. And I, I did dancing growing up, so mm. tap and modern. So yeah. I'm still known to be tap dancing out in the courtyard before my keynotes. That's right. What, okay. Yeah. <laughs> What does 2021 look for you, Renee yeah, Jeruso? Exciting year. I have a great feeling about this year. We've got the launch of the book as we speak, lots of new programs. Um, hopefully once that's all sort of landed, getting a little bit more work-life integration in. I, I, I don't believe in work-life balance. Uh-huh. I think balance, you see scales, something gives and there's guilt. Yeah. So integration. So just, you know, bringing in a bit more around the health side. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting year and I really feel it's going to be a year of embedding and sharing all the lessons that I learnt last year with others. Renee, let me just say this. There's no doubt that you are true to your purpose of serving others and giving. You've given a lot in this podcast and I, I really oh, do you. appreciate it. Um, I, I've learned a lot myself personally. I mean, I've known you for a long time anyway. Renee, if some of our listeners or some of our clients want to get access to your book or some of the tools that you talk about, where do they go? Yeah, if you go to giftmindset.com, we've got lots on the book there and lots of free infographics on each of the 12 gifts you can Mm. download. Mm. And Renee Jeruso, should I spell that? Uh, .com. Yeah, it'll be on on the podcast. (laughs) Um, Um, What would you say you've got? What would you call it? Graphic what? Infographics. So they're, they're like the six key 
keys of each chapter uh, in an infographic. And that's yeah. good for people like me that can't read. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, I just yeah. like so the pictures. pictures. <laughs> oh, no, we've got a cl- clients putting them around the office, but kids, we've got kids downloading them, so mm. it's right across. Um, and we've got our Limitless Leaders podcast as well. Okay, cool. Well, Renee Jerusso, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your sharing and your insight. Awesome. I've really enjoyed it and I'm sure our listeners have too. Yeah, no, thanks for having me and um, it's been fun. Thanks.